gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Gather Round the Lamp podcast. As we're recording this, football is officially coming back, so we wanted to make sure we had something for all our listeners to dive into leading up to the Sheffield United game. We're going to cover the match itself, some other news that's been circulating around Aston Villa, and much more. But before we uh, dig into it, Mark has a little something to say about the last episode of the podcast that has been brought to our attention. Hey guys, Mark Jarobi here. Of course, if you're a long-time listener, uh, you, know, you know my voice, know what I'm about and everything, but um, on the last podcast, I used a derogatory term I'm not really proud of. It's been beating me up for the past couple weeks since the last time we recorded the uh, podcast. Now, I'm not going to repeat what the derogatory term was, and you know, if you listen back on it and find it, you might think that it's just a difference between you know lingo that's used in the U.S. and lingo that might be used in the U.K., but that's not an excuse for me, man. I feel really bad about it. So I apologize to all our listeners, everybody that supported us over the past almost three years. I mean, it means a lot. It was just something I didn't know the real definition of. Again, I'm not going to repeat it, but I'm very, very apologetic, very sorry about it. But uh, I don't know. Let's get into the football talk. It's it's something I don't, I'm not really happy to talk about. Yeah, no worries. Uh, today, in fact, we will see the Premier League continue after a lengthy layoff due to COVID-19. But the pandemic isn't the only big talking point within the world at the moment. The Premier League's made a statement to stand against racism in all forms and will be replacing players' names on the back of their shirts with Black Lives Matter for the first 12 games. There will also be a nod to the National Health Service as well. What do you make of this from the, the Premier League? You know, Do you feel this gesture is, is hitting the mark? Is it over the top? Or, or is it not doing enough to spread awareness of very important issues? Um, for me, I think it's a great thing from the Premier League. I, th- I think it's something that um, they needed to come out and, and you know, I guess just draw a line in the sand, I guess, and say, hey, you know, this is where we stand on this issue and we're going to stand with our players and we're going to stand with our staffs. And, you know, ra- racism, is, you know, especially in the modern climate of the world, it, it's it's starting to become something where people realize that this is important. And even if, you know, you can't be really silent about it anymore, you got, you got to stand up to the face of it. So for me, I, I think the Premier League hit it right on the nose here. I think that it, it, they're they're at a place now with a restart that it, it doesn't come off over the top. I saw you know a, a decent amount of people on Twitter say that you know this is a little bit too much. They're replacing the names of the players on the back of the shirts with Black Lives Matter. But I think you know if for such an important issue you have to make an important stand. So I think I think they're they're doing a, a pretty damn good job so far what they're talking about doing. Especially the nod to the NHS as well. That's a massive massive thing. There's so many people that I know and have love in my heart that have you know gotten help from the NHS over the years that I've known them. So. Um, um, especially with the with the COVID situation, that, that's that's really important that the Premier League recognizes that. Uh, how how do you feel? You would have a a better uh, finger on the pulse on this because you being over in England. I think it's it's just right. You know, um, there's been there's been a lot more kind of positivity towards the the National Health Service since the the ongoing pandemic. Um, so I think you know th- throwing some support their way during the, the the return of the Premier League is is absolutely like hitting the nail on the head. Uh, in terms of Black Lives Matter, exactly the same. You know it's an important issue, um, and you know we're 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 trying to push towards a, an equal society. 
and we can't do that until you know every area of society is equal and deems you know racism to be to be such a negative thing um i think you know that for football fans it's uh it's it's a big kind of issue um in how they're perceived and a lot of football fans are perceived quite negatively when it's not necessarily the the, the way that it should be um so for, for players to take that first step and the Premier League to take that first step in in changing the perception of the game you know the, the fans can only try and follow in their footsteps I suppose yeah and we, we've had our own you know uh, we've got our own little bit to say about racism in, in football and you know maybe it is a, a very small yet unneeded part of the culture when it comes to football supporters when the uh, marvelous Nakamba chant happened um, and it, you know you wouldn't think you know out of the gate unless you really critically think about how that might affect the player or might affect other people of color um, so you know that, that was a proud moment for me when us at under a gaslit lamp you know stood up in defiance of that and said hey like this isn't right and here's the reasons why it's not right and you're not really thinking you know it was it a fun chant of course it was was it a, a rhythmic chant that you, you know you can belt out over and over again and not get sick of it of course it was but it was the context and it was the content within the chant itself that was a little demeaning and depreciative of, of the player and, and of the player's race and we can't be having that in football and i'm hoping that you know this entire um the show by the uh by the premier league to to stand with black lives matter maybe it just makes people start to think a little bit about maybe um some things they were you know taught that they weren't right or how their upbringing was or, you know, things like that. I think it's just time for everybody to kind of, you know, take a step back, look within themselves and, you know, figure out what's what's better for everybody. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the Nakamba chant and it was the same with the, the concert chant that started uh, pre-season. Um, you know, it, it was something that we didn't support and we, we kind of pressed um, our opinion out there. And, you know, some people did support us and some people were, were saying that we were, we were taking it a bit too far. But, I think, you know, anything that could be taken as like a stereotypical kind of bashing of, of a player or, or, you know, it's playing on specific stereotypes, then, you know, it needs to be eradicated. And the, the way that that can happen, or the only way that can happen, is it's, if it starts at the very top of the game and works its way down. Right, and I think that, that that's pretty much what we were doing. I mean, me and you talked about it whenever we were, we were going to stand together as a, as a team for, you know, is under a gaslit lamp and, you know, say, hey, hey this, this isn't right, and then here's the reasons why it's not right. And like you said, we got pushback from it, but we got way more support for us really put. I mean, we really pushed hard on that to, to just make people just think about things in a little bit of a different light, um, think about maybe the feelings of the footballer and, you know, you get, you, we got pushback from from people who said I've I've supported Villa for forty years. I don't see in color and all these kind of things. And it's like that's fine, but like we 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 have to start somewhere. And if you really really care about something, you have to put it out there. Like listen, you know these are the reasons why you can agree with it or not not agree with it. But this this is how we strongly feel about it. So again, with the, with the Premier League and you know they're really making an honest attempt to you know try to stand up for for what's right and what's going on in the world. So I mean I I applaud them. I don't, I don't and again I don't think it was above. I don't think they've made it seem like it was like oh we feel we, we have to do this it didn't feel like they were like obligated to it really comes off to me that this is a genuine belief and we've seen you know anti-racism campaigns in the premier league for a while now this isn't anything new for them but i i think that they definitely got it right on this one yeah and in terms of you know a, a more villa perspective dean smith's come out and said you know the the, the the club will support anything that the players want to do to kind of you know, increase awareness around the matter. Um, you know, if players want to take a knee, both the Premier League and the club have said that that there will be the players will be supported. So that's another positive there. 
Yeah, it's definitely a positive. I mean, and I love hearing that from Dean Smith that he that he's you know understanding of what's going on as well. I mean, if you look at Villa's squad, there's a very very diverse uh, collection of players there right now, um, and it's it's from different walks of life, and and inside those different walks of life, it's different like kinds of racism there's different like how people are perceived just by their skin color i mean like you know some people might not like certain players because they have lighter skin or darker skin than them but the fact of the matter is it's like we have really good personalities at villa you know it seems like everybody's a really really down-to-earth person and they really you know are, are, are decent people and like i i love that about the football club like yeah we might not be the best in terms of footballing ability and that does matter to a large large degree but you know these are really nice people we're seeing like the interviews you see you know they're you know some of them are really shy some are outspoken, some have big personalities, some, you know, just like to joke around and mess around a little bit. So it, it's very diverse at Aston Villa right now. And I think that that in turn shows like how the Midlands is. It's a very diverse, very multicultural. So, I mean, you would only think that, that Dean Smith knows like, hey, I got some good lads in this room and we're, we're going to stand with them no matter what. Absolutely. Um, moving on, um, earlier this month, I sat down with uh, Dan Rollinson of Birmingham Live and the Claret and Blue podcast to talk about content creation and how Under a Gusset Lamp came to be. It's pretty crazy to think that we'll be celebrating our third birthday as a supporter-driven Villa media outlet in, in a few months. It's actually uh, towards the end of next month. Uh, it's end of July, start of August. Um, so, yeah, just like to, you know... Um, throw some attention onto that the interview is available on the claret and blue youtube page um just thanks to anyone that supported us through the pandemic obviously our brand of media isn't easy when there uh there, there isn't really much to talk about there aren't any games being played um so we won't have you know the pull of bankrolled villa content that other creators may have but we always strive to improve and bring our best to you guys yeah, it hasn't been easy, you know, since since the lockdown happened. And I've I've spoken about it on my Twitter page, uh, my Twitter feed, a couple times of just like, you know, um, I, I've even written about it, like you know the the Birmingham Live, you know, they're doing their thing and all, all that stuff, and they're bankrolled. They're able to, you know, have the connections to get former players in or you know produce different stories and stuff like that. But we really thrive when when everything's in full swing, and even in the um in the summertime with the transfer window, like we're we're good with that kind of stuff. We like researching up. We like talking to you know people that might have an idea of what Villa's looking at, who they're looking at, what leagues they're looking at, and we we did a hell of a job this past year, um, you know, figuring out what what types of players, and we knew that, that we were looking at. Some players from Bruges and stuff like that so you know without without games happening it was a little difficult for us but you know now the Premier League's back we'll be back in the full swing and we'll be, be flooding all the uh, social media content out as much as we can absolutely uh, and since the last podcast you know Villa have gone ahead and played uh, a series of friendly matches uh, against West Brom two separate matches with uh, two separate starting 11s against Leicester City you know there was a bit of a, a leaked clip of uh, Grealish's goal against West Brom which was an outstanding goal uh, you know if we could see some some of the uh, some of the, the specialness of of that goal in, in the games to come you know I, I do believe that we can have a strong run during this kind of uh, lockdown end of season Um you know, do you think these types of friendlies w would get players prepared for the Premier League restart? See, for me, that's the million-dollar question because, I mean, it, none of it was televised. We, I mean, we've seen little clips and stuff, and you guys got you know up in the director's box, as you can tell. But they're so far away, it's hard to tell what's really going on. Um, I'm, I'm more worried about the fact that players aren't going to be going in the challenges 100%. 
Um, and I don't, I don't blame them for that. Everything's so different. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that like things like that, not going into challenges, not wanting to get physical with players, you know, kind of just being like, oh, well, I, you know, I can let him go around me because I feel I might have the pace to catch up to him and maybe put a cleaner tackle in. But I just don't want the players being standoffish. So I don't know if even a series of what three friendly games are going to get them into into the, the kind of game speed to get up to speed of how, how the game is going to be played. But the, the beautiful thing about that is, is that's spread across the entire league everyone's going to have those kind of, you know, a, a little bit of doubts and, you know, what, what's going to happen. Like we could see shock results in, in the opening, you know, opening week or two um, that, that you wouldn't expect to see. It's, it's just such a strange time. It's, it's really, really difficult to predict. And the only thing we can go by is what we're being told by the specific manager, specific co- coaching staffs. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited, but I'm not sure that like these small amounts of little friendlies, you know, especially when you're talking about splitting up teams and you have 11 v 11, at two different locations I'm, I'm not sure that that's gonna get guys into game shape but I mean they had to do something so I mean if this is the best we're gonna get that's the best we're gonna get I saw a quote today it was an interview that Dean Smith had done with 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 some media outlet um I think it might have been the mirror or or, or something similar um and he, he basically said he feels more confident um in these these run of games compared to the start of the season against Tottenham he believes you know, uh, he was Villa was signing players at, at different levels of fitness due to their their preseason with their their respective clubs before they joined Villa. So he, he believes that the, the core fitness of, of the players is better this time, which obviously can can only be a positive. Yeah, and we've been hearing and, and things such as even players like Danny Drinkwater, who, as far as I've known, has always been in incredible shape. Um, and I'm hearing from the, the very few amounts of people I know at the club that he, he's come back in even better shape with with a, a, a pretty different attitude, of a different air about him. So I, I don't – it's it's one of those things. I think everybody probably dealt with lockdown differently. And Dean, Dean is probably right that he was able to get a more uh, – a baseline of these players are coming back in this kind of shape. But I just don't know if you can, like, put it 100% stamp on that and say, they're like, no, everybody's ready to go. There might be players that aren't ready to go. There might be players in that in every Premier League locker room that don't don't want to play. And you know, they're not that they're not going to put give their all or anything like that. But maybe it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, like yeah, my fitness isn't great because I didn't really realistically think we were you know going to be playing games. So I I, I didn't stick to a, a strict heavy duty uh, fitness regimen. So. Like, like I said, man, I, I think you're going to get some surprise results. I think you're going to get standout players you didn't think were standout players. I, I, it's just, it's going to be such a wild ride to the end of the season, and I, I'm just hoping Villa ends up on the uh, the positive side of it. Well, your last statement there brings us on to, to, to two segues that we can take. So the first one, um, obviously we've been discussing um, off of the podcast who your surprise player might be in the, in the 10 remaining games. So, who do you think will be a surprise standout performer for Villa? I, I'm I'm caught in two minds about it because I I really think that Amor Al Ghazi I think that he has the ability. I think we just we haven't seen the best out of him. I don't think we've seen the best out of a lot of these these Aston Villa players this season. But something's telling me Al Ghazi. If it's not Al Ghazi, I think Douglas Louise kind of knows that. You know, he, he he didn't take a dip in like a massive dip in form, but I I just I'm I. I can see it it's weird it's like I can visualize how good he can actually be and yes he's still very very young compared compared to what a lot of people think you know his age is um so I I think that he he it's between 
Douglas Louise and Anwar for me, but I mean, someone's going to come out with like a, a couple levels above what we're used to seeing them. I think regardless, you're going to get a couple people in the Aston Villa squad who are like, damn, where was this guy all season, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, we mentioned the, the, the kind of return to a full fitness and uh, the return of John McGinn's a massive talking point as well. Um, you know, in, the impact that he has is, is obviously yet to be seen and whether he'll play a full 90 minutes is, is also yet to be seen. Um, but, you know, he, he's come out as well in the media and, and said, you know, he's he's not going to change the way he, he, he plays just because of the injury that he had. You know, um, he, he wouldn't have changed anything about the way he got injured and he's not going to change anything about his game. So that's a positive. Obviously, we've not seen him get any kind of competitive football in, you know, the last six, seven months. Um so do you think that we see a return to form from Super John McGinn or do you think he'll need a few games before he gets into the swing of things? I mean, with with my heart, I hope that he comes out and it is exactly what we remember. I think I saw a tweet today from somebody. I wish I could remember who it was. I apologize if you're a listener. I think I think it was somebody who's supported us a lot. Um, I think it was December 19th or something like that. It was the last time Jack Grealish and John McGinn played a game together. Um, so something like that. So we haven't seen that in a long time. My heart tells me that John McGinn's going to need a couple games, but my, I just, I don't know. I, I think he, he, he comes back from an injury, an injury that he had. It's, it's not like McGinn's been injured a lot in his career. And again, so you put the, the, that kind of injury where it's all about his running and we've seen him. He's like a bulldog. He's like chasing a piece of raw meat. You know what I mean? He's, he's going to get there. It's just a matter of time before he gets there. And we know he can run his ass off. He uses his body. Well, he's smart. He has a wand of a left foot. He can make, you know, cross field passes the whole nine yards. John McGinn is an amazing football player, but the tentativeness of coming back from an injury and COVID, will that play on the mind of every player? And now, like I said, you're throwing an injury on top of that. Is there a little bit of tentativeness? Is there a little bit of like, uh, do I, can I, do I really have, you know, can I, do this a different way do I have to go in there hard I want to see all players going 150 percent I want them to give you know everything but I think John again I just I have this gut feeling it's going to take him a couple games before we really see him get into get onto a level that we're used to seeing from him yeah I, I agree but at the same time we've seen him um pick up injuries obviously not to this scale we've seen him pick up injuries before and 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 come straight back and perhaps be even better than he was before the injury and we've seen the same with jack as well so obviously we have to wait and see um but i do think that that mcginn will have some kind of positive impact on on these last 10 games yeah, I think he'll have a positive impact. And and that's like, you know, it's me saying I don't think he'll it's going to take him a couple games even with I mean, even at John McGinn at we'll say 80%. That's better than some players 100%. And I I've, you know, I I don't think it, it it's crazy to say that. I I think that he brings a total different dynamic to the midfield areas of Aston Villa and, you know, he's he's a pleasant guy. Players seem to like being around him. He's you know, he's he's jokey. He, you know, he likes to keep things light a little bit. Um that that's a big thing. That's a that's a big massive thing when you're talking about team cohesion and especially in these unprecedented circumstances where it's basically like a new season. You know, we're we're getting many preseasons and now we're getting many seasons and you know that's that's you need characters like that. You need characters in the room and you need guys that are, you know, gonna lead by example. I think John McGinn is a shining example of that at Aston Villa. Absolutely. Now, with just a short period uh, until the team sheets are finally released, there's going to be uh, you know, a few supporters crying out to see two strikers up top. 
But do you think Dean Smith comes out with a radical change like that, or do you think it'll remain as you know a, a four three three? And what would your starting eleven look like? I don't think he goes two strikers off the uh, off like right out of the blocks. Um, we we've seen Dino do it before. He'll drag the holding midfielder off and throw Keenan Davis up top. Um, I, I think that's pretty much the plan. Like, hey, we're gonna go for broke here. Like, I think that's his. Uh, break glass in case of emergency tactic. I think he stays with that four three three wide. Uh, I you know I would stay with with Target Mings Ingles and Gilbert at the back. Uh, the midfield is going to be tricky for anybody to really nail down. Um, I know they're paying Danny Drinkwater a lot of money to be at Villa, so I think that he does start again. I've I've heard that he returned in, in great fitness. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, and people are going to be a little you know held back about you know how Drinkwater has acted and his bust up you know training whatnot with Hata and all these types of things. But I, I do think it's going to be Drinkwater and Nakamba and McGinn, um, Trezeguet and El Ghazi on the wings and Samada up top for me. I think I think that's how it's going to be. Um, I know a lot of people are crying out for Douglas Louise, myself included, but I think they have to get Drinkwater involved just based on the fact of the loan agreement and how, mu- how much wages they're reportedly. At least it's it's rumored that they're paying him. It, it's it's rumored that it, it's quite a lot of money. What, what about you? Do, you? do you have a nailed down 11 for this one? Well, I think you just missed Jack out of the starting eleven. Oh, there. That's what I, yeah, I did miss Jack. Yeah, so not on the left. I was thinking about who I was going to put on the right between Trez and uh, El Ghazi. But yeah, obviously it would be Jack, be Jack and El Ghazi on the other side. That's that's my fault. <laughs> um, I'd probably go with Neeland in goal, uh, a back four of Target, Mings, Concer, and Gilbert. But I th- I have a feeling it's going to be El Mahamadi. I'm not sure. We've not seen a lot of, of uh, Gilbert in pictures or anything like that on social media. I don't know if he's picked up an injury or anything in training. Um, midfield, but I'd probably go with Nakamba, McGinn, Harahan, and, and then a three up top of Grealish, Al Ghazi, and Samata. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I wanted to ask you this, and it, it was something I don't think we've talked about. Um, like everyone's talking about, you know, Jack being on the left. Does he ever get back in the center? They're talking about the return of him again. They're talking about center back pairings. You just brought up the fact about uh, El Mahamadi might feature as a right back. Like, but my thing is, is like Ali Samada. Like, what are we, what are we looking for from him? Like, what, what do you, I mean? Do you, do you think that it's going to have to depend on how, how his movement is? And like, do you think that Samada might have something to prove because he he was st- it, it seemed like he was starting to get into a little bit of a groove and then things kind of just stopped. So I, I don't I don't know. Do you think that maybe like they're going to try to like push play a little bit through the striking position or do you think it's going to continue to be like a score by committee kind of thing? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I do think I do agree with you in, in the regard of Samata having something to prove. Um, you know, he, he was kind of getting into the swing of things. He obviously scored in the uh, the Carabao Cup final, which was a brilliant goal. Um but I think it's. I think it, we're going to be shocked with who kind of takes the uh, takes the reins in these last ten games. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I I just think I don't know. I I like him as a footballer, man. And it's like I get I get this special feeling every once in a while for a player that comes through the doors at Villa. And I think you know we don't have time to give. I don't want to say like you, we have to continue to give him more time, but just on his form, he was making smarter runs. He's, it seemed like he was starting to get a little bit of chemistry on how we play out wide. I think, you, you know, keep your eyes on him, man. If, if he can find a way to score five to seven goals, that might keep Aston Villa in this league. And I don't know. I'm, uh, you, you can tell, man, I'm just starting to get excited even talking about it. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think it's the goal scoring that's going to keep us in this league. It's going to be the defenders. 
our defenders, whilst they haven't necessarily been, you know, the, the worst in the league, um, it's our mistakes and it's how how often we're conceding from them. And that's that's going to be, have to be what changes, I think, in these final 10 games to keep us in the league. Yeah, the defense needs sorted, man. And, like, I don't know, you can't, you can't ship goals left and right. And, you know, I, I, that's definitely a, a cause for concern for me. But, like I said, if, if we get a, get a few standout performers and it just happens to be Tyra and Mings and Frederick Gilbert or even El Mahamedy and, you know, you know, a center back. I mean, we don't know. We're even talking about all these youngsters that are training with Aston Villa. Like, who knows? Maybe one of those that one of those guys get, gets a shot and you know turns some heads or you know comes out with something to prove. We we don't know. It's just so up in the air. Like everything's so it's it's just so unprecedented. And you know, you hear that word get thrown around a lot, but it, it's even hard on a statistical standpoint. Like, are are we supposed to be looking at stats before? The, the the stoppage happened and do do those stats matter does home and away matter anymore with no no fans it's just there's so much to take in and, and consider i just i just wanted i just wanted to be game time man i'm just i'm just ready to go and get this thing rolling yeah but you know whilst form and statistics can can be a little bit skewed when talking about the restart it's it's not a secret that our opponents for the first game back uh, Sheffield United have had a fantastic season up until the lockdown. You know they currently sit seventh on forty three points, and they'll be doing all they can to try and cap- catapult themselves into a European position. Um, before the Premier League stopped, Sheffield United were unbeaten in their previous five games. It will be a completely different feeling for all players to play inside of a stadium that's empty. Um, you know we've got the potential training ground players that Dean Smith uh, mentioned that that may thrive in that not in front of a not in front of a crowd. Um, you know Sheffield United have only lost two games away from home this season, and they've drawn seven and won four. Um, the majority of their goals come from open play, with 22 this season. Um, you know, who do you think is going to be the standout for Sheffield United, and, and hopefully not uh, that much of a standout where it's, it's a punishment for Villa? I mean, Sheffield's very—they're just such a they're such a well-organized team, and you really don't know who's going to score the goals. And it's—it it seems like they don't need to score a lot of goals. They they like that they like to just get a lead and they don't sit back they don't even park the bus they just constrict things in the middle of the uh, the middle of the pitch um, when they play like teams like Liverpool that like to play wider into the, the final third middle they find a way to do that with with their wingback system and you know we've said it on the podcast before we both written about it the whole quote unquote overlapping full or overlapping center backs um, basically all that is it's, it's a ball playing defender that likes to you know run with the ball and then get it wide as fast as possible and then get right back into, into being you know center back um so it, it's a very unique situation with Sheffield and they are a good team you can't think that they're not again with the stoppage we don't know how what teams are going to come out but um you know I, I look to guys like you know like John Fleck I mean he, he did Villa some damage on the reverse fixture um you know that that might be a name we hear and I, I'm not going to be happy about it if that's the case still have Billy Sharp hanging around um so it's it's just it's just one of those it's one of those teams where there's not really like standout star players in terms of like the Premier League, you know, top, you know, 20 players or anything like that. But there's still a very honest side. Chris Wilder keeps this team completely honest. Um, we, we've heard some quotes from Wilder the past couple of days about, you know, uh, the the 3-3 game that, w- that we all remember against Blades. So I don't know. What, what, what are you thinking? You think this is going to be I mean, there's some people saying that Villa is going to come out and, you know, try to take the game to him. But that's kind of when Sheffield, that's kind of when, when, when what they thrive on or what teams try to put the front foot on him a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen that when they've been playing teams that are at the peak of the league. You know, they've performed well against the likes of you know Manchester United and and thing and teams like that. Uh, you mentioned John Fleck, who obviously punished Villa in the previous fixture. He's got five goals to his name, and he obviously has to be considered a danger man against against us. Um, they're a team that don't really mind scoring by committee with, with five players having three or more goals to their name. But one statistic that works in the favour of Villa is that Sheffield sit 15th of all Premier League teams for goals per match with 1.1. Um, you know, Villa don't sit much higher in that category, but th- keeping things solid at the back, like we previously mentioned, will be massive for Villa. Yeah, and that, it's honestly like, you know, people are talking about who scores goals, you know, are we going to get surprise uh, surprise performers and stuff like we just alluded to, but it really comes back to the defensive effort. And, and Dean Smith has, has said, you know, over and over again through this break that, you know, he's talking to his players, talking about, you know, going on a, almost a game-by-game basis, you know, watching every game, watching every minute of every game and talking to players about things, positioning, tendencies of other players that we're going to see in the next 10 games. But, you know, it's it's all got to come down to hard work and, and wanting it. You got to want to keep this this club in the Premier League and it, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. We, we talked about on the last podcast, the run of the run of games is, is not easy whatsoever. It's 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 not kind to Villa for the, for the remaining games but the defense has to be sorted we have we have to start seeing i'm not asking for them to have three consecutive games of clean sheets but just you know if if you get a lead you know just just try to try to just keep at it keep focused concentrate i i, I don't want to see villa you know keep shipping sloppy goals when when the balance of, of premier league football is is the prize here Absolutely. This game's probably a lot bigger than any of us actually realise. And putting aside how badly Villa need to pick up points at the moment, do you think we actually have what it takes to win this game? I think we have what it takes to win this game, but it's not it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the classic um let's see like what, what kind of results we had this year. It's not gonna be the five one against Norwich. It's not gonna be the Everton game. Um I, I can even you know, I can see it being something more like a, just like a squeak by, like a Brighton last minute Matty Target winner, or a Jack Grealish curling effort that deflects off, you know, one of their center backs and finds finds its way in the back of the net. I, I think that's the way it's it's gonna be. Um it might be wishful thinking, but uh, the, I think the Villas do a little bit of luck here with things they've had going with VAR, uh, you know, some decisions going their way, some non-calls that have gone against them. I, I just think that at some point in time, the, the football gods, for lack of a better term, have to smile and nod and give a little wink to Villa. And, um, you know, if, if that should start to happen against Sheffield, I'm, I'm all right with that. How are you personally feeling headed into it? You know, it, it's, there's no way really that we can predict what can happen. It all seems like you know a fresh and new season. But how are you, how are you feeling personally? Um, I think it's the the stereotypical Aston Villa supporter mindset of. Um, we're going to support the team and I'm, I'm really hopeful and I'm really proud and, you know, I want the team to do well, but then there's the other side of the Aston Villa brain that's kind of like, man, we're, we're going to lose this game 3-0, aren't we? You know, so it's like the, the doom and gloom, but it's, it's very proud, but I don't think we're going to lose 3-0 realistically. Um, I actually think Villa's going to squeak this one by somehow. Uh, what, what about you? How are, how are you feeling? Are you nervous at all? Excited? Or are you ready to get back to, back to work here a little bit and start to start to break down some stats and player performances and all that kind of stuff? I'm I'm uh well, I'm looking forward to the game. I I think it'll probably end as a draw personally. Uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to uh, getting back to doing is, is the match reports. You know, I've not watched a game of football and written about it as it was ongoing for for what feels like an absolute age. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. 
Um, it, uh, something I do want to ask you before we kind of wrap things up is, is a, a player to score prediction. You know, if, if you were to put a bet on, who would you think Villa's goal scorer is going to be if we won 1-0? Jack Grealish. I, I think you're going to see a performance from Jack Grealish uh, out of the blocks. I think he's, it, it, it might, he might look a little nervous on the ball the first, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of the game, but I think a lot of players are. And I think once you get to settle down, I, Jack knows what's going on. He's well aware of the situation. Um, he knows that he messed up during lockdown. Um, I'm sure he wants to repay the Aston Villa supporters. I'm sure he wants to shut up some of his critics at the same time. I think it's going to be a very, very good 10 games for Jack Grealish. Um, again, might be wishful thinking, might be a little biased as I sit here and you know wear this 1996 Villa top. But um, I, I do think that we've seen Jack get football taken away from him through injury and now uh you know a pandemic took football away from him again we know how much he loves the game how much he loves the club loves the supporters so you know look out look out for jackie Grealish. i think he's going to be a man on a mission yeah i mean you know we've we've said it before he always seems to kind of take a, a knock take a, a step back and then three steps forward um so i do think i i, I agree with you there in, in that jack will be a, a better player than we've seen this season and he's already been our best player by far throughout the season so I can't wait to see what he can magic up um, and I think that probably a bit wraps it up for us we, we've been talking for about half an hour um, but I think that's probably the best way to end this uh, episode of the podcast so thank you so much for tuning in if you have enjoyed it you can follow us on all our socials on Twitter at Villa Lamp uh, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp and on instagram at under a gaslit lamp um enjoy your day enjoy the return of the premier league and up the villa